Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I am the host, Eric Acker. Of course, I'm hosting today with... With Karen. <laughs> we we took a, a little bit of a break last week and posted our special episode with the spouses. Karen hosted that one. Yeah, hopefully... You guys enjoyed it. It was a little nerve-wracking to just go at it all by myself, but... But did you listen to the final product? No. I don't <laughs> like the not. way I sound, <laughs> so I'm just trusting that you made us sound okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was pretty good content. I think good information for especially any anybody who's going to go to the island as a spouse, who maybe is married and you want to try to prepare a little bit. I, I think that isn't going to be all you need to know about how to prepare for going to the island and starting medical school as a as a married couple, but it's a, a, a good start, a good no, starting yeah. point. No, of course not. But And we'll see if we can get a couple other spouses on during this next year or so just to kind of because everybody approaches things a little bit differently and it's just nice to know that people have made it work and the ways people have made it work to me that was a a risky episode because i <laughs> so bear with me on this because yes. i i didn't want it to be you're my servant that is helping me get through medicals like i have my indentured servant wife at home who bears my children and cleans my house and feeds me dinner like i don't i didn't want that to be the the theme of the pot of that episode because like you obviously are your own person you have your own interests and likes and while you are my spouse and you are helping me get through medical school i don't think i could do this without you I didn't want it to sound like your world revolved around, like, I didn't want this, it to be the spouse's world revolves around the spouse in medical school. Well, it, yes and no. I mean, it does to some extent, but I mean, I had my own little side business on the island with Susanna and I got into investing, which it still terrifies. It feels a lot like gambling, which I'm not a gambler, so, um, <clears throat> but I got into that a little bit. Like I tried, I read a lot of books on the island. I didn't have a lot of access, but to get out and about and we weren't living in the apartment. So that restricted me a little bit, but I think it also made me grow as a person. So I think going on any move, it's all, if you go at it with a sense of adventure and this is just, this is just a phase of life. It's something new. And eventually when you're making decent money, maybe I'll go back to school myself. We don't know. Yeah. We've talked about it before, but who knows where we'll be at, at that time. But like we, we had talked when we were dating that this was kind of the core, so it wasn't like a no, it wasn't drag a you along. Like one day I applied to a Caribbean medical school and like next month we're going. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, yeah. Oh, that was something that I thought maybe we should bring up because um, I was talking to Susanna this last week and I was just, I was like, you know, it really worked out well with where we started and our timeline as a family, because we won't have that break, that year long break for a match. And so as a family, if you do have a family and you have, 
you're going to have to support your family throughout med school with on the loans and whatnot, you might want to actually consider, because for us, we got accepted into Trinity, but we held off starting. Yeah, we got accepted in like October. Like, mm, and we could have we could have started in January, I think. Right, but I was very Still pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was like six months pregnant. Anyway, so we chose to have have Judah sell the house, quit our job, all that like, stuff, and give us some extend, time. Extend extend it out nine months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like was it? Yeah, because yeah, we started in we started September, September. two thousand nineteen. And but so, we, we got accepted in like October, November 2018. Yeah, so I would say for like a family, if you want to give yourself a little bit of cushion, because I mean you you don't know what is going to come up, I would give yourself maybe what's the start right before September? April. April. I, I think that would probably be the best start. I for, think it's April or May is one of the two. I'm for sorry. a family, because that way Heaven forbid you fail a class or you have a medical issue or something that holds you up a little bit. You still will be continuously through on your timeline and you won't have that gap year where you have to worry about, do I get a job? Does my spouse get a job? Where do we move? Where do we live? Like, And it might by pushing it back for four months or pushing it ahead four months or whatever, instead of like my situation where in September I'm going to start doing my electives and also apply to match. You will now have four months prior to September, so sometime in May you could start doing your electives and do some audition ones. You can do some, you know, in your home area, some audition, you know, some audition ones away, and that way you can actually fill in a lot more uh, um, away audition, electives yeah. at places you might want to go. So you might actually have a little bit more of an advantage on me on, in that regard. And you have a little bit more time to study for step two, which, I mean, I know Eric's study schedule, if you are somewhat following it, he is continually adding to his yeah. knowledge base. So he is, in a sense, I'm constantly for reviewing. step two. He's constantly reviewing, but at the same time, you, you can knock out a block of, like, this is my step two study two weeks or three weeks or whatever. Yeah. I'll have probably three, maybe four weeks of dedicated step two time. Probably closer to three if you only have a seven-week right. break. Yeah, you want to take that step two with enough time for hopefully the score to get back close to when you start electives and. Yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to submit your application. Well, the or, yeah the application won't be submitted until end of September, so by yeah, for sure you, you should have step two done by end of August, which is yeah closer to seven weeks. So if I took it only at. Four weeks would be like middle of August. Oh, okay. And so that would take a couple weeks to get the step two score back. I think in our school, you can get an exceptions in some cases to start your electives without having your step two score back. But generally, I think the rule of thumb is that they want to see that you pass step two before you let, they let you go on to your electives. And we are kind of talking more or less hypothetical. Like, hey, if you start in April or May, whatever that start date is, then you might theoretically follow this course. And it, it does depend a little bit on obviously not failing any classes, not retaking any exams. And when you get into your electives, not having to repeat any of the electives, so don't get sick. Uh, <laughs> and then if there was actually availability for the start for electives or course. So like our... our like I started in July, middle of July, and 
someone some other students started in September. So there's a bit of a difference, like a two month almost a month and a half difference in our cores with that. So again, this is just a, a hypothetical timeline that we're we're working with here. No, but I, I th- feel like if you start in April, May, mm-hmm. then you do have a little bit of a buffer in case you do not pass a oh, class. Oh, I, I agree. I just, I'm I, just saying, like, if there's no actual clerkship start date in uh, it, at the appropriate time, you may not be able to gain four months or whatever. True, but at least you would have more time to prepare for the match and the step two and all that stuff. So I think if I was, if we were to do it again, and we weren't having a baby during that month, <laughs> then that probably would have been the best like month to start for a family. Maybe. I I still think, I mean, I, I look back at it and I think that my term being what they were, like a bunch of students who, my, my term is made up of a, a lot of students who were either waitlisted at U.S. schools actually got accepted into U.S. schools and declined the offers. Your term was very smart. Um, so we had we had a term full of very... I mean, I'm not saying other terms don't have intelligent people, because they do. They certainly do. Every term makeup is a little bit different. But my term, the makeup that they were, they were very competitive, very highly driven individuals that always pushed the average up. And so the average was always going you know, higher and higher. And so you had to work hard to stick with the average or above the average or wherever you wanted to be as long as you weren't below the average so that you can continue to move forward. So I, I really appreciated that about my term. As much as that, you know, maybe that sounds like, wow, you had to work a lot, a little bit extra harder than you maybe would have not had to do four months earlier or three months, you know, four months later. I think the net benefit is that some of these big exams, the CBSEs, the step one, it gives you a little bit more confidence going into it because you've already put in a ton of work. <laughs> and now you, you still got to put in a lot more work. You still got to put in a lot more discipline, but it's it's not new and foreign to you. It's it's more of the same. Yeah. And it, it kind of goes with the old adage, surround the people with, surround yourself with people that you want to be like, right? So if you have a whole term of people who are pushing to excel you yourself are going to push to excel so i think that was yeah, my, my dad always told the, the story of he liked to play racquetball and he never liked to play against people who were worse than him because he could beat them easily and he never gained any skill but he liked playing people who had better skills and playing people who were out of his class or out of his league because then he had to learn something new. He always had to try to step up his game and adapt to, to, to be better. And I think that's kind of the similar thing. You want to you wanna be around people who are going to push you to be the better version of yourself. And that's essentially it. Essentially, you, you want to be the best version. Like, you want to be the best doctor. Like, nobody, I don't think anyone gets into medical school thinking that they want to be a subpar doctor. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, he's adequate. Like, you know, that's not a description word that you want to describe you ever, especially not as a doctor. So no one, I don't think any, I don't think anyone going into medical school is going for adequate, but. But I mean, everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. And so. But you find out in medical school, there is actually a definition of adequate. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not the same as the definition you have outside of medical school, but it's still like the average seems kind of adequate, but you want to push yourself to like to excel. You want, I don't know, you just want to know as much as you can. And even if you go, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be in surgery. 
It's good to still know. I, I We have people right now I've talked to who are in the surgery rotations and they hate it. <laughs> like you can tell that they just, they're not enjoying it. They they are not going to do that in their residency, but they're still going to do a good job. I, I have no doubt that they're giving it their best shot. Yeah. Well, and again, there's somebody always watching. So you always want to do your best. If Even if it's not something you yourself want to do or you decided that this is not the route that you want to take. You are an ambassador for your school. You're an ambassador for your fellow students. And so your preceptor's watching. Your fellow students are watching you. Students from other schools, the staff, like... And you don't want to be known as the student who lost the rotation for every other student. Like, you don't want to be like, oh, he showed up and did a he just had a horrible attitude. He didn't want to be there. Uh, you don't want to be that student that the preceptor was like, this was such a bad experience. I am never, I am never having a student from that school here again. Like you want the preceptor to be like, but that wasn't too hard. You know, I made money, obviously, because that's what preceptors do. They make money. <laughs> and I taught somebody who seemed to enjoy what I was talking about and had questions and he never made me feel like he didn't care about my, what I was doing for work. Like he was interested. I I knew from like uh, I'm using my OBGYN rotation kind of as a template here. I, I I can obviously use psych and family medicine as well, but OBGYN is of course more proximal. <laughs> so like I'm pretty sure my preceptor knew. I think he asked us on like day one or two like what we wanted to do, what we were possibly interested in. And I, I I try to be honest. Like I always try to say, like I'm I don't think I am looking to go into OBGYN. However, I'm here to learn as much as I can from you, and get as much as I can out of this rotation as I you know as as possible. So I always I always try to say it that way because like I don't want to lie to him and say like oh yeah OBGYN for sure and like. I have no intention to, you know, go in OBGYN. That, that has been a, a solid constant since I started medical school. I mean, I, I've seen the birth of four kids. I, I kind of know what that, that deal is. And that has more or less shaped, and especially the rotation to some degrees. Like, I like definite aspects of OBGYN, but they're very general. Like, what I liked about OBGYN was... I feel like I'm getting way off track here. You're but fine. Like, so what I, what I generally liked about OBGYN was how specialized it was. Like, I liked that patients came in for a particular reason, and the exam was focused on that sector. So OBGYN, it's obviously the female anatomy, reproductive system. So by and large, most exams were focused on the female reproductive system. It wasn't like in family medicine where you walk in, a patient can be like, okay, so I have this ache and this pain and <laughs> this headache going on and these medications. And like, it's interesting to try to paint the picture with family medicine by taking all those components and um, trying to figure something out with all of that. But I do tend to like the specialized, okay, we are working on this. And you still have to know like, okay, you still have to know that hematology, how that plays into OBGYN. You still have to know how oncology or respiratory, any, like all the other systems, you still have to know how they affect your patient because 
you know, obviously you're treating them and those, they all interact and cause issues. So I'm trying to, I'm going to try to circle back to. Well, so <clears throat> Eric's preceptor. So do you think that you would ever become a preceptor once you became a doctor? Because your preceptor is actually fairly. So the, yeah, the OBGYN preceptor. Out of, med, med, out of becoming a doctor. Yeah. He was about a year and a half, two years out of his residency. I don't know. I, I think it, I don't know if at two years I, I would feel as comfortable that I would, I would know as much as I, I needed to know in order to teach people. But at the same time, you're just teaching third year medical students. You're not, you're not teaching like a fellow Level, surgeon yeah. or, you know, somebody who's like got seven years of experience in the, in the field and going like, okay, what do you got to teach me? Like, <laughs> You're See, not my te- issue would be like, I don't know if I could talk to it, all these people. Like, <laughs> but I guess as a doctor, you have to talk to people all the time. So yeah, and, and you get the, used to it. My wheelhouse is like, I don't do great in large crowds, but I do okay in small crowds, and I can I can make my way through, you know, a patient a room full of patients, you know, like three or four patients, uh, a room you know, patient plus parents and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I can I can make my way through that no problem. So I can probably figure my way through two, three medical students. <laughs> and that's a, that's a long way down the road. But yeah, I, I tend to think that I, I tried to go into this OBGYN rotation to learn as much as possible. Uh, there was definitely some information about the rotation that was concerning. Uh, as I, I think I typically try to say, I, I try to be as prepared as possible going into a rotation and so I try, and that part of that process of preparing is talking to people who've had the preceptor before. Uh, we even had Patrick on earlier, like many episodes ago. Go back and listen to it if you haven't listened to that episode with Patrick and Joseph Call. Mm-hmm. Um, great episode. And Patrick actually had the same preceptor for OBGYN that I did. So I had a little bit of knowledge kind of going in from him, and then of course other students who've had the same preceptor. So I had a, a picture in my head of how this was going to go. And if you listen to the couple weeks ago where I had Joe on, and I was a little disappointed because I felt like my picture didn't match the reality. And so I was trying to rectify and, and correct those two things. And that I apologize, and that wasn't probably fair to my preceptor. It probably wasn't very fair to you as the audience because you get this idea that my preceptor was more introverted than... Than, than he actually was. Than he actually was, yeah. Um, I mean, we quantified it. You were only two days in at I that point. I was two days in, and he, I mean, he had came off of like uh, seven days of call and and then got like hit in the eyeball with a piece of wood. So he was, you know, having a rough start to a rotation. And I think it went, I think the rotation went good. Uh, if I had to just quantify the last two weeks, I think, uh, you know, it picked up. We got better. We still were rotating and just shadowing for the most part. And he's, he slowly let us do more hands-on stuff. So we got to do the Doppler. Um, we we got to see implant, you know, placing of uh, birth control implants and removal of birth control implants. Again, probably things in medicine. You got to do a couple exams. Yeah, I, I think we got to do a couple exams here. Nothing too too crazy, but. It, it wasn't as hands-on as I, I think I typically would have liked, but I think he tried his best to include us as much as possible. And 
if he saw something interesting, then we got to go look at it. Like if he found, uh, he did a wet mount. He let us look through the microscope and see what we were seeing. So if we saw ferning, then we knew that we were looking at amniotic fluid. If we saw some oval structure that had little stick or a tail coming off and it was wiggling, then we had trichomonas. So we got to see interesting things that we would not have normally gotten to see. There, of course, was information about the hospital not having you know, us not having privileges at the hospital that he typically operated at. And we we worked really hard to try to get into the labor and delivery center at Navison. They didn't really have he he was never on call at that location. And there's there's more to that, and I can touch on that in a minute. And then of course he does most of his procedures at Piedmont. And part of our kind of fact finding ahead of time and preparing for this rotation was to try to figure out you know what was the obstacle going on at Piedmont and. You you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of in, interesting information when you try to do this pre- preparation stuff. So you, you do have to do some weeding through the facts. Like some people have some crazy notions that are not based, <laughs> not not as well based in reality or based in uh, what's actually going on. It's kind of based off of uh, supposition, um, maybe a little bit of ego. I'm not, I'm not sure, but. We had heard all sorts of different things about why we weren't doing surgery at this hospital. And then when I got to this rotation and I talked to the doctor and I just asked him, what's the deal with this? What do you know? And he just said, the hospital got bought out. <laughs> and the new, host- the new company that owns the hospital now hasn't made a contract yet with the school. And it's ongoing. Like it's a... And an, you know whether that was no, whether notice was given to the school weeks weeks in advance or whether it was just given it was unknown. So like a lot of things, even to him, someone who works at the hospital, who is directly affected by these decisions, and has probably a closer or more proximate relation to the people who make these decisions, didn't know certain details. But generally speaking, the basic idea was. Hospital got bought out. New hospital came in and was renegotiating all the contracts. And uh, again, knowing knowing a little bit about healthcare before going into medical school, I understand that the, those contracts include medical supply companies. So who is supplying your your medic your all your supplies, your bed your bed gowns, your your needles to your medications? So are we doing McKesson? Are we doing Cardinal? And so you're renegotiating that. You're renegotiating your laundry services because that's a lot of money. You're renegotiating any other people who come in and out of your hospital who are not employed by the hospital. So that that includes just your reps who, you know, they provide equipment for the ORs. And then it even might apply to the anesthesiologist because not every anesthesiologist is employed by the hospital. Some anesthesiologists are employed by their own group that contract to the hospital. So... You think down the line, if you go from the top of the hospital, like they have to take care of patients, <laughs> take care of people who are already in the hospital, who are, might come into the hospital. And of course, they're dealing with this COVID pandemic thing. I'm sure somewhere somewhere near the bottom of the list of contracts that they urgently need to take care of is, is uh, you know, medical students rotating through and to, to take glimpses of surgery. Uh, <laughs> 
And that's not to say it's not important. It's important to me because it's my medical education. But like I real reality is is I'm not that important in the ecosystem of this hospital. Yeah. I don't know. I think all of this just going kind of goes to show keep a positive attitude attitude no matter what your circumstance is. Try and make the best of any circumstance you can and um try and develop the um relationships with the doctors that you that you rotate with cuz i mean this this doctor had all of the like going away gifts up on a shelf that everybody could see and like he he was investing in his his students and they were happy to be with him for the most part i think yeah well, i i want to i just talk again very briefly about like i had that perception that he was going to be a very extroverted individual that he would be constantly sharing just all sorts of different stories at will, unprompted. And so once that reality set in that he wasn't that kind of preceptor, then I had to adapt. I had to go, okay, well, I still want to get the most out of this rotation. I do not want to sit in his office in between every patient and do nothing. And, well, I mean, I'll, I'll do my questions, I guess. And I don't want to sit there and do questions all day. I don't want to review notes all day. Like, that's really not the greatest use of my time. I'm here to learn through experience and through seeing patients. And so I, I decided, I'll, you know, I'm doing a couple of things. I'm going to, when the patient leaves the room, I'm going to go ahead and do the MA's work. Like, the MA is there to turn over the room. But this particular MA, she was, you know, had the chaperone. Uh, preceptor, preceptor because he was a ma- male and generally speaking whenever you do female anatomy you know pelvic exams and whatnot you do need a chaperone um, i think that's for women though as well i you probably you're probably right as well so she had limited time to turn over rooms to get more patients in and so i figured you know what it's yeah is it work that doctors do probably not but it doesn't matter i'm you know i'm a medical student <laughs> you know, i'm getting to get as much experience as i can get so i'll turn over the room make sure the patients can get into the room as quickly as possible and i'm sure the doc, the preceptor will appreciate that a little bit and maybe he'll let me see some more stuff and of course having that open communication instead of maybe being passive aggressive just having that conversation like, hey, I really would like to see some more hands-on stuff. What are the opportunities to see something in the ultrasound room? Or what are the opportunities to see something in labor? Like, we we were constantly having that conversation with our preceptor. I guess a part of that note is not, don't just say, hey, I want to do more and leave it up in the air. Try to be direct. I want to do more ultrasound or I want you know give them an idea because some they're busy people they have things that they have to do trying to come up with an idea of what would be interesting to you that's more hands-on might be more than they want to take on whereas if you go hey would it be all that much to just ask that I can go into the ultrasound room every now and then when you're doing a quick check on someone's you know 12 week old baby with abdominal bleeding like you is that going to be okay? Do you think I can do that? And like, oh yeah, sure, that's no problem. So that's, I don't know, that's a, more or less my point is like, if you have a preset that's maybe not as comfortable with med students or maybe they they don't have as much hands-on, like get proactive, start asking questions, try to insert yourself a little bit more. Um, and you can do all this very tactfully. You can do this all very carefully. 
without coming across as some kind of gunner that's throwing your fellow students under the bus or whatever. No, because like you and your your partner were doing questions back and forth, and the doctor would insert himself into your your study sessions while he was doing paperwork, and that was also, I think, <laughs> something kind of good and useful. Yeah, it was a it was a. I had to explain to my partner, she wasn't mad about this at all, but on some of the review forms that the preceptors fill out for the students, it talks about knowledge level, like how much knowledge does a student have, and I, I was kind of trying to game the system to a large extent, like I know <laughs> that he's going to try to think back to conversations he had with us, and I don't want him to think back to the conversations where I said something stupid. And he goes, oh, third year knowledge, circle that box. Like I want him to think back to the time that me and my partner were quizzing each other and we had good developed knowledge. And then he can go, oh, yeah, they have advanced knowledge. They're like fourth year knowledge, circle that box. Like, So I'm kind of gaming the system. That's a little bit more passive. Like I'm not telling him that's what I'm doing. but And my, my, my partner was fine with that because, again, like, we had it. We would have questions where she would ask me some questions, and I would ask her some questions, and they weren't mean spirited. They weren't like I'm gonna dig up the most crazy thing possible and stump you. Like they were just questions out of the inking deck or you world, you world um, question, and it was in good spirit. It was in the spirit of like helping each other learn, because you you can go the other route. And try to throw your partner under the bus. And you should not do that. <laughs> you should. Because again, like. Turnabout is fair play. It turn, well, turn, turnabout <laughs> is fair play. But again, you're trying to give a perception. You're trying to give off a perception. You should get used to trying to give off this perception the entire time in medicine. And the perception shouldn't be, I'm better than everyone else. I'll show you how much they suck. It should be, I make people around me better. Well. <clears throat> and also just a, a different angle is as a doctor, you are wanting what is best for your patient. And in the age of Google, every patient is Googling every dang thing. <laughs> and you need to be able to teach your patient in a short amount of time why you want to do what you want to do, what what outcome you are hoping for, how long that outcome is going to take. Etc. 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 And so you should kind of go into medical school as you are a learner, but you are also a teacher, and you also need to develop good listening and patience. Because let's face it, nobody likes being a patient. You don't even like being a patient. My husband is the worst patient ever. I don't like, know what you're talking about. Best patient. <laughs> I was googling today how to do a sleep study on my phone. <laughs> He's going to do a sleep study on himself because he has been refusing to do a sleep study for himself for how many years? Years. <clears throat> years. I don't know what you're talking about. I made him promise that if he is still snoring in a year, he is going to get a sleep study before residency. I will hold him to it. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> <laughs> it will happen. But, uh, yeah, I think Karen's points, well, <laughs> well said. It's... Uh, it's hard. I mean, it's you're juggling a lot of different hats as a physician, and I think at least as far as your relationship with your your peers. So in my case, it's the as a medical student, is the build. You're supposed to kind of build each other up, because I I want my 
my co- cohort to look good and I want to look good as well. And so, I mean, that's also then just says, well, I want the school to look good because I, I want, again, want the preceptor to continue to take students because they actually do have options. Believe it or not, there, there are other schools in the area. And again, you do not want to be the student that loses a rotation to another school or just all together from that preceptor because he was like, I can just go get somebody from PCOM. Like, you know, PCOM will pay me a little bit more or, you know, I, I, whatever it is. Like, you don't you don't want to blow it. So it, it kind of having that mentality of trying to build up yourself and your other student, I think it's going to pay off in residency because you're going to be there, the person that is helpful and building up every, every other resident. If you're just tearing down the other residents, they may not be so keen on helping you. And if you are building them up, they will probably like to help you out a little bit more. And I don't know about that for because I am obviously not a resident. This is just based off of my experience in the workplace is that people are more happy to help you if you have been good to work with as opposed to a pain in the butt. And if they feel like you belittle them, then they are less likely to want to work with you because the risk that you belittle them in front of other other peers is high. And so why, why would you want to do that? So... It's a, it's a good strategy. It's a good thing to kind of start working on if you haven't, you don't have that skill is just how to make everyone look good around you because it will reflect good on you as well. Um, I don't know. That's a bit of a tongue twister and a talking in circle a bit there. <laughs> so, I mean, overall, I think that the rotation was good. Uh, our preceptor, an added thing I, I guess I didn't know going into it was that he was also a pharmacist before he was an OBGYN. So he had the medication knowledge level that was very helpful. And while me and my cohort or my counterpart were quizzing each other, he would chime in and add good tidbits of information. And this was a I think another good example of a rotation where what we covered in the clinic was applicable to the test. So we took the shelf exam last Friday. And plenty of stuff that we covered in clinic was on the test. <laughs> Timing of certain tests and situations of, you know, which, what treatment courses you should go was definitely tested on, on the shelf. So I think it, it, one of the things I do appreciate about some of these rotations is when the preceptor actually knows what's going to be on the shelf and what's going to be tested and he kind of pushes you towards those things. Because you can have plenty of rotations where the preceptor is just going to show you what his practice is, and that's good. It's good experience as well. But you don't have uh, those three; those three weeks are not really dedicated to passing the shelf. So it's not you're not getting two for the price of one, essentially. Yeah. So I think this OB rotation was good because we got a lot of shelf information. I think that really did help me past my shelf I did I did pass <laughs> uh, I was a little worried because I was in a bit of a brain fog last week just wasn't feeling a hundred percent so which is a big reason why on like Tuesday night me and Karen looked at each other and was like we're not recording tonight I'm just going to sleep <laughs> <laughs> I was just like so many so many early mornings and kind of late nights and 
It was just like, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm in this weird brain fog. I don't want to talk for an hour. So thankfully we had that special episode <laughs> ready to go. All edited, all I had to do was uploaded, uh, upload it. So, um, yeah, so we, we did the shelf uh, last Friday. We got our score back today. I passed. Not not as high as, as I would have liked to. I, I think I would, I'm would. i always trying to aim for the honors, and um, even high pass would be great. I missed the mark on those ones, and so I got to go back to the books and keep, you know, keep reviewing, keep because it's obviously going to be on step two. So whatever I missed on this one, it, it is also a little bit of a discouragement when like you're it shows you how well you did in certain sections and like the inpatient setting not so good like oh interesting. apparently i and i think pharmacology was also which is kind of sad my preset there was a pharma, you know, pharmacist and my pharmacology was eh. i don't remember as many pharmacology questions but again brain fog so so anyway, either either way, I, I was I'm happy to be done with OBGYN. It's another one in the book. I think the rotation was better than I initially thought it was going to be. I did enjoy my preceptor. There, of course, everything there's was always going to be something about your preceptor or a doctor or anyone that you interact with that you're going to go. I'm going to take some of that with me, and mm. I'm going to leave that. And I'm not going to like. I don't want to like everyone's. It's it's personality things, right? Like these are all what you like as a person <laughs> and what you think is going to be well-suited or well-serving to you when you're a physician. So there's definitely things I think my preceptor did really good. Like informed consent was one of the things I think he did really a really good job on, and especially being able to break down to the patient like how the procedure was going to be done, what the risks were, and, you know, where <laughs> how, you know, risk ridden recovery time like he he did a good job doing all those things uh he did a lot of other things that were well done as well and there's a couple of things that you know personality wise i would not do um but that's not my personality well but i mean it's like the same thing that like like eric and i did when before we got married is we looked at all the all the coupled friends that we had and we're like we like what they do in this (laughs) relationship but we like what this person does in their relationship and what this person prioritizes. And so you kind of just, during these rotations, you take, okay, in my practice, I really like what I like, this I like doctor how they did, did that. But this doctor did this really well. And just kind of take take what you like and make it your own, right? So yeah. that is another bonus that we haven't really talked about during this. That you can, you are at, you are developing yourself as a doctor, but you are also you can pull things from other your your rotations to better yourself as well. Just in how they interact with patients, or how they have their their clinic set up, or their schedule, or whatever. Yeah, and we're we're gonna you get maybe a little bit of chances here and there. Certain rotations might allow you to interact with a patient one-on-one so you get to test it out a little bit obviously like your real test is going to be and refinement is going to be during residency because then you're going to have your you know your real opportunity to try out certain things but either way um what i like to try to do at the end of a rotation is just go what what would i do differently uh, I think as far as studying goes, I think if I could have gotten through the OBGYN I humans a little bit faster, 
I could have spent more time doing questions because I, I think I, f I finished all the UWorld questions the day before I took my shelf exam and oh. I think I would have had a little bit more time to do some of those questions earlier. I, I definitely squandered a lot more time on this rotation, I'm not going to lie, because this rotation was split between online that was just prior to Christmas and then we had a two-week Christmas holiday and then uh, back into in-person for three weeks. And I think I probably could have made better use of my time the three weeks preceding Christmas holiday. And then some of the time during the Christmas holiday, I think I, I took advantage of extra sleep and extra family time. And while that was nice, I think I probably could have done some more questions. And that's a self-discipline thing, not a... It is what it is. I, I think I had high dreams and plans of doing a lot of different things during the Christmas holiday. And I think I got about three of those things done. So... <laughs> On to the next one. The next one is I Am. We'll talk about that more next week, but it should be exciting. I Am is going to be, what, nine weeks, 12 weeks? Yeah. 12 um, weeks total. To 12 weeks total, so nine weeks of in-person, all back-to-back. -back. I am. I think I started... Uh, <laughs> I think I started. I, I started <laughs> pulmonology uh, subspecialty today. It's not exactly what I had requested. I had requested cardiology. So I'm trying to go with an open mind because all this, all the uh, surveys when I would fill out the questionnaires and kick back like your top 30 specialties to consider based on some personality traits, pulmonology did show up a couple of times. So oh. um, I'm trying to be open-minded about it. It is obviously, I, I'm, I lean a little bit more towards cardiology and some of the surgical stuff. So I'm I'm trying to warm up to it. I'm trying to keep an open mind. I did, did I did let the school know in a very tactful way that we had talked previously about my interest in cardiology, and I would like to try to get a little bit of exposure to cardiology before I get to my my electives. And they 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 responded that they were going to look into that possibility. So to be to be determined, I guess. And I think that's okay as well. Um, I think the school sometimes has a hard... Uh, like the administrators at the school sometimes have a hard time They're juggling all these different schedules and who talk to who, when, and whatnot. So sometimes you you may not get what you want. Like, I, I don't think I wanted pulmonology, and I thought I was going to get cardiology for this rotation. And I think it's okay to reach out and just try to respectfully explain your situation to whoever it is yeah. uh, and see what they can do for you. Because if you just fire back a quick email saying you guys screwed this up, less, again, less receptive. <laughs> People are going to be less likely or less willing to want to help you. But there's also the adage is squeaky wheel gets the wheel, uh, grease. So uh, I would, I would just caution there's, you can get, I'm going to caution the extremes, I guess. Like, Word everything tactfully, read it back, have your spouse read it back, have somebody else read it back, just to make sure that you are above board. Even if they say uh, no, it's fine. If they say yes, I'll work on it, great. Well, but, I mean like the extremes. Like, So you can have the extreme where you are just communicating too much. Oh, yes. So where you're you maybe being a little indignant, you're being a little bit too center of the universe oriented. And then there's the other stream where you just don't say anything. And like you do have to stand up for yourself a little bit. You do have to advocate for yourself because this is your education. You are the medical student. You want to be a physician. Like 
you know what you want to get out of some of this stuff. So you got to advocate for yourself just a little bit. And you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to be rude about it. You can, But you can advocate for yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I think that there's, there's a nice balance. But you, I'm going to caution away from the extremes. Like you don't want to be the annoying person. And you don't want to be the person who doesn't get what you want. Because... If you don't get what you want, you're gonna maybe go like, "Oh man, I wish I had. I would have gotten all these experiences." Well, if you didn't ask, you definitely not gonna get those experiences. No one's <laughs> just gonna hand you stuff. Um, but if you are the other extreme, then nobody wants to talk to you. Uh, you might actually get what you want, but nobody wants to talk to you. Um, you build reputations, and especially in the medical community, I feel like reputations are very long lasting. And yes. I'm just going to hearken back to a, uh, an experience where my previous job as a surgery coordinator in an orthopedic practice, they would bring in candidates for you know new orthopedic surgeon positions. And I do remember one of the guys on the committee of hiring, he was one of the orthopedic surgeons, he would call and talk to the residency director and other people who also worked in those programs, or maybe they were part of that program but had graduated a couple years prior, and he would just talk to them and be like, how were they like? What were they like? How was it like to work with them? And a few people lost um, their the spot or the candidacy ranking because of something that someone said on one of those phone calls where like, oh, this guy wouldn't be a good fit with our practice because I talked to Phil and Phil said, you know, so reputations tend to be a little bit more hard fought in medicine i think i think it's true for most of life but especially medicine it's kind of a smaller community so anyway i'm i'm kind of going off on a tangent here and karen's giving me the eyeballs so <laughs> so next week we'll talk about pulmonology his first week of im and i don't know what else but i hope you guys have a good week follow us on instagram i will try and get something up for this week's podcast and um so the instagram handle is medfamilymd yes okay great so if you have any questions or topics you want us to talk about just send it to us karen looks them over happy to have those topics come up and have an episode focus on it or whatever um and of course you can find our podcast on spotify uh any of the major all the major podcast channels so Go ahead and follow us on iTunes. If you could rate us five stars, it does help us out a little bit. And, yeah, I think that's about all we have. Yeah, see you next week. Bye.